Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week I'm joined by the regular crew. I'm joined by Mark and Logan. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing pretty darn good. How are you doing, Logan? Doing fantastic. Zach, how are you feeling? I'm doing wonderful today. Uh, today is just a normal, regular talk show. Uh, you know, these are just kind of our times to hang out and talk about stuff. Which, by that, we mean um, there is nothing ever normal or regular. So strap I in, because we don't know where this the is same going. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't spoil it, Logan. Oh, give give sorry. the listeners if you're something. New to the show, you have no idea what you're getting into, and neither do we. <laughs> That's the point of this show. Uh, we we should have named it Rants and Tangents. <laughs> Today, uh, I think we're gonna start off with one of our segments. Uh, top five. In top five, we t- do a top five. That's what we do. But uh, t- today, we uh, Mark suggested this top five, uh, and it is top five game books we like reading but not playing. Mark, since you gave us this wonderful top five topic, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I came up with a lot more than five, turns out. Mm-hmm. So for my, my number five, I am kind of leaning towards more of a genre almost. Superhero games in general. Mm. I love reading them. I've yet to find one that... Well, we, we played some Mask. I really enjoyed playing that one. But I, I love reading them. I, I, I find myself drawn to grabbing them. and uh, But I just haven't found that many that i like, okay, I can't wait to play this. So, so in terms of a, an, an actual, just to pick one of the names, uh, I went with uh, Tiny Supers, Alan Bars. Mm. Uh, yeah, Alan. Has, has some great background stuff, has some great, great stuff to read. You know, actually, uh, you know, a lot of his stuff, a lot of his tiny tiny series have that um uh beach patrol is another one that that i loved reading i just kind of fell into that uh that type of genre but uh but yeah for number five i I think i'm gonna go with uh tiny supers yeah not to derail you too much uh Mm. but uh you know that little card game that i picked up while we were at con the from the pine box guys Mm. oh you picked that up yeah i picked that up yeah Alan, the Alan's Gallant Knight is on nice. the back of that. Nice. So Alan helped with that game. Very cool. Uh, it's a, it's a little micro game. I'll have to uh, share it your way. You need <laughs> to pick it up. It's it's really cool. Oh, good. But anyways, yeah, nice. I I like Tiny Supers. It's a it's a nice kind of whimsical. Kind of all the tiny games are a bit whimsical, but real real simple system. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. Have you have you read it, Logan? No, I have not. 
Have you read any of the any of the tiny stuff? I don't believe so. Hmm. I am not familiar. It's with some that. it's it's some good stuff. I'll check them out. It's like sounds s- good. System light ish. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, do we really much lean into system heavy? I guess we do on some games, but just saying, not a common <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the way we do things here, it kind of yep. helps to since we're doing kind of shorter series is yeah we don't want to learn a whole lot of crunchy rules and then have to play it for two to three episodes and then <laughs> nope, there it goes it's back on the shelf <laughs> we just learned all that for uh, two nothing. episodes superhero games are uh, again i i would agree with that mark yeah uh, i i also have not we we haven't found a great uh superhero game that we enjoy playing regularly True. Say, yeah, we haven't really had masks, much chance to masks stick with anything. Is the cl- is the masks is the closest thing we had to that, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, masks is on my list. I've spent a lot more time reading it than I have playing it. The only time I've played it is with you guys that little bit. And uh, I would agree it's definitely, you know, on that that same level of like this is cool. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff here I kind of want to steal or use. I think it'd be in- engaging, but I am not the best for coming up with superhero plot stuff. I think I'd be much better as a player in it. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I, I have fun with it, but again, it's not it's not my dominant thing, and I have enough other things going on in other games and groups and whatnot that it's, <laughs> right. it's low on the list of going to be tried anywhere else. So it's like, well, yeah. I spend time reading, so when I have that chance, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I also haven't had much experience with it playing or writing, hell, even, so I, and until I actually sit down and try and write superhero stuff, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Who's next? Logan, you want to go? I just did. Mask is my number oh, five. With, uh-huh. That's Mask is, perfect. Ha, ha. Segwayed when you didn't even know it. Ninja segue. <laughs> number five. <laughs> uh, my number five is a game called Polaris. Mm. Uh, Polaris is a kind of post-apocalyptic underwater world style game where humanity has built little bubble pods underneath the surface of the water which is now the surface of the world sequest but an apocalypse yeah exactly yeah water water world too this is water world too everybody <laughs> there you go uh but it's got like kind of super high-tech sci-fi stuff it's got culture stuff so it deals with a lot of the person-to-person interaction it's beautiful the art in it is wonderful you know it's pleasing to flip through and read but uh as far as playing it i don't I, it's, it's kind of crunchy for my taste very detailed and with a giant two book set uh it's a lot to get invested in but yeah it's 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 a beautiful book and it's written very well i think it's the one of the sister companies of the paizo people mm-hmm. okay. the, the uh, uh, pathfinder paizo people nice so yeah it's it's beautiful and very interesting to see all of the the cool things <laughs> that they've they've written for it but it's very crunchy mark number four number four uh is a game that i i backed the kickstarter for it's uh girl genius if you're not familiar with Girl Genius, it's a webcomic that I'm a mm. huge fan of. The, the artist is a guy named Phil Foglio, who I have been a fan of for, wow. for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And just mind blowing art. Does a webcomic. Love the webcomic. Well, they put out a, uh, 
a GURPS edition of Girl Genius, a role-playing game. As much as a fan of the comic as I am, I love going into a lot of uh, role-playing books just to see how they break down the universe and kind of put it into a kind of a concise list, you know, histories and, you know, breaking out the different factions and explaining Mark's stuff. a nerd. Imagine that, yes. <laughs> well, nerd, but yes, also I game am. designer, you know, proven, as well as, you know, all of us, yeah. we like to muck with things and come up with ideas. So sure. I think going in and seeing 100%. how did somebody take this abs- this concept in our regular world and abstract it to something that's able to be grabbed onto in a game quickly. Sure. That's sure. stimulating to see. It's neat to see what people think and how they interpret things. Yeah. You know, oh, um, you know and of course, you know, just about all the games I love looking at for, you know, with that, that eye, you uh-huh. know, even the games we play, yep. but this is one that, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't care if I ever play it, you know, GURPS is, eh. but yeah, just, just getting it for the artwork, for the, for the story, for the, the background, or mm-hmm. just, you know, produ- promoting the background in, in a different way. Um, yeah, that's my number four. I love, I love reading this book. I think that's a great way to look Wonderful. at it too is you know not even caring if you play it or not you know because it's something that you're interested in that's that's an interesting yeah. way to look at this as yes. a topic too yes exactly that's awesome mm-hmm. and how how something like the the webcomic and and how things work in that webcomic are translated yeah. to a, a game sense both in the design and the you know in the player aspect of it right it's, it's interesting to think about true Logan, number four. I think I'm going to go with number four is another one that I'm I have played and am playing a bit, uh, just not regularly. Uh, but I've spent a lot of time reading it. Probably the most of my time right now reading, just to try and keep my hand, head in it, is Blades in the Dark. Uh, mm. I've run a few mm. games of that. I have more games coming up that I'm planning. But it's just one of those that um, it's not a regular game. It's a fill in the gap sort of thing. It's not like a, a regular campaign. And yeah. I feel like every time I get into it, I'm reading it, I'm taking time to read stuff, I, I get another tidbit, I get another little piece that I somehow yeah. missed before. And I'm like, huh, how did I miss that? That changes how I look at all this <laughs> stuff. And it being a very heist and rogue sort of focused game, I know I can translate a lot of those out to other games that I run because I, I like that mindset. I like yeah. doing heists. Yeah. I like doing heists in a, in a heist game or in a, a regular game, just, you know, throwing a heist in there for like a bunch of adventures. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's always enjoyable. I think people always have fun with it. And the way that Blaze in the Dark does that is awesome. And uh, the Blaze in the Dark lore is so suggestive that it's like it's very easy to miss details. Yeah. And then you see somebody else pull out in a game. You're like, oh, dang, that's how that works. Cool. Oh, and shit. it's it's like it grows and it evolves and it just re-inspires you to go back and read it again and look at that area again. So I just it's very circular mm-hmm. for me. It keeps pulling me back. Yeah, I agree with that one. There is so much lore kind of mixed into that that's a great one to just go back and and reread and just kind of delve into some of the different things Uh, yeah very much so i agree you can just get lost in it yeah you can you can say that that same thing with the games that you are running regularly yes like when you're reading through those books like i mean how often do we all go back to 7c we have to we have to go back always go back to 7c always Uh, but always you know when you're reading through, this is more of like 
research than the actual core <laughs> book stuff, you know, because right. there's the expansion books and it's more of like knowledge and yeah. additional things. Yeah. But, you know, but, you, but even you could that, be like, reading through anything. You got, you got a friend who's, you know, do like a Ghost of Saltmarsh D&D campaign or some sort of pirate focus campaign. You're like, ooh, and you go back to 7C to see how they did something or how they talked about something because they remind <laughs> yeah. you of some, you know, way that it was done there. And yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, Blaze in the Dark is one I haven't played. Uh, I have read it a bit, uh, but yeah, I also enjoy uh, reading that one a little bit. All right, hit us up, uh, for me, For me, number four is the Hellboy RPG. Ooh. Uh, also, kind of going back to Mark's number four here, I believe it's also GURPS um, for the system. I don't Wouldn't think it's Savage me. Worlds. I think it's a GURPS system. Um, but again, I'm not a huge fan or I, I haven't had a lot of experience with the GURPS system um, but uh, again I'm a fan of Hellboy I love seeing the all the especially in this book there is a lot of uh, the original uh, Mike Mignola art mm. in the old like the old comics and stuff like that mm. Uh, so it's always it's neat to see through all all that stuff. It it gives you wonderful context on the actual uh, uh, the you know that government body that is you know the, I don't remember the, the acronym. Yeah, it's like Shield, but not Shield. Like I can't remember what you're talking. Shield, yeah. but not Shield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. But did you play? You play agents of Shield. <laughs> um, <laughs> not Shield. But, agents uh, of the not shield you play agents dealing with these kind of supers and and possibly hellboy and associates but um mm. yeah it's a it's a great one to read through and uh you know it gives you a lot of it can give you a lot of inspiration for that kind of genre that kind of weird occult genre mark number three Number three, again, uh, kind of uh, lumping a genre together more than anything, but uh, uh, spy games. I pick up mm-hmm. so many spy games knowing I'm not going to be able to play them all, but I love reading them. I love, I love seeing <laughs> the approach, seeing how they go. Um, so specifically, to, to name one, I'm going to pick uh, an older one called Spycraft, mm-hmm. which was yes. uh, an old D20. D20. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and Logan I, knows. <laughs> well, that was one of the few spy games that seemed to work, though it was it was ham fisted at when it came out, it was like the best spy option that I knew about and that people in my area mm. knew about. Yeah. Um so it it's definitely stuck out in my mind. Um and I would say yeah. it's probably one of the better D twenty remixes from that I, that era. I agree with that. I mean everybody knows my feelings of the D twenty system, but oh, yeah. but mm. this is one that I thought worked better than others. Actually works. Um yeah. And, uh, and a lot of, again, a lot of lore, it kind of created the, some great spy conventions that were kind of specific. There were, there were two editions. Uh, there was a second edition. I'm looking at them. They, I got them both on my shelf because, you know, I just love reading them. I, I don't know that I've ever played them, but I did, uh, I, didn't, I do. Didn't we play a version of the new one? I don't know. No, no, we talked secret. about one. Yeah. Oh, the new, the new top secret. That's top secret that's we played. Yeah, they they did a new top secret. Um, yeah. But uh, no, this is this is a different one. This fight. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's what I got for number three. I uh, have a question about your number three. How is that not your number one? Like anybody else got questions? <laughs> Audience? Somebody? <laughs> like 
what? <laughs> well, it's not my number one because I have other games that I do play. I, you know, the James Bond game, uh, for example. Okay. Um, you know, that is, you know, I found a different one that I do like to play and uh, <laughs> much more so than that. So fair enough. Fair enough. That's okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yep. Uh, I'm going to throw my number. My number three is going to be um, a uh, adjunct to D&D. Um, there's a um, company that does side products for D&D that I really enjoy. Um, MCDM Productions and Matt Colville um, has mm. a couple books out now, and he's got a third one that's in Kickstarter as we speak right now in the middle of April. But his first two are Strongholds and Followers and Kingdoms and Warfare. And I really enjoy those uh, for reading because it seems to frame a different type of D&D than what we see nowadays. Um, honestly, with 5th edition, it seems more like Avengers than it does knights and castles, you know, sort of a thing. Mm. And a, a fair amount of how Matt Colville runs things and how these books are focused is around the idea that your, your heroes could have a stronghold of some form. They could have yeah. followers. There are political intrigues that are going on and there's literal wars between kingdoms. How do you use that in your game? How do you play that out? And that level of politics isn't something that's brought into to fifth edition um, at modern times because like the main um, setting is forgotten realms where there isn't really a centralized kingdom or kingdoms. There's, you know, like the people who run city states, and then the places in between those, which is fine. That's that's a fun way of doing it. I just find that what this is talked about is very um, different than most of what I see on D&D tables. And it kind of gives me a breath of fresh air for different ways to think about things um, within D&D. And uh, I don't know why whenever I brought up the idea of, of, you know, incorporating some of the stuff, most of the people I play with don't have an interest in it. Uh, no condemnation. It's just like I, maybe I'm not presenting it well, uh, mm -hmm. but it's just one of those that I never get the chance to use. And I always think it'd be neat to to have a, a castle that you have to worry about building up and defending, and you know, um, people that are looking to you to help protect them. But that's also affecting the intrigue of the next barony over, and how does that, you know, uh, all that stuff. I don't know. Politics is always interesting, um, at least in a, a story concept. Uh, because there's always the the next plot that's hidden beneath the surface, and that that always makes for interesting stories. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number three is one I backed on Kickstarter called Sins. Mm. Uh, the the Sins RPG, uh, not the Sims. <laughs> it's, that's a different one. Sins RPG is a uh, again. I guess I'm going with a theme, a post-apocalyptic style game, uh, where it it's almost described as like a a blood world. Almost, it's kind of dark and gritty, and the art style is wonderfully amazing. It's almost halfway cartoon-ish but more in the comic style it's like more of comics cartoons than like the animated tv cartoon you know what i mean mm -hmm. um it's just a really deep system uh that again is a, a bit too crunchy for my taste <laughs> <laughs> do you sense a theme here <laughs> yes um, it, but it gives, it gives you wonderful, uh, inspiration for that genre 
for anything post-apocalyptic. It gives you ideas for, for stories, and uh, they do a really good job of, uh, of explaining the, the kind of person-to-person conflict. They do, they have like, almost like little clans. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. If you can get your hands on it, I don't know if it's out there, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool one. The, the book is also like full white with red lettering. It's wonderful and beautiful. Mm. Sounds like it'd be hard but, to read. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Now, uh, number two, Mark. Number two, uh, this is a game that goes back quite a ways. I've, I've followed it a long time and always kind of wanted to play it, but never enough to actually play it. Uh, that is Space 1889, mm. which is a, a Victorian sci-fi, kind of a steampunk sci-fi setting that, that is just, just fascinating, um, uh, very Jules Verne in space type thing that uh that i i just i love reading it i i never had enough of a urge to really put a game together and game master it but uh, i love reading it i love uh going through it and immersing myself in the world just uh again not enough to actually play it understood yeah that's a that's a cool genre yeah uh, and uh I, you know playing a couple games in that genre in the past. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun one to play around with. Yeah. It always feels a little bit pulpy and adventurous. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, really the flash Gordon Buck Rogers thing, but set earlier, but in a period much earlier, uh, you know, like I say, kind of a, kind of a steampunky twist. It's a very, very unique and, uh, interesting, uh, setting. Hmm. What what system is it? There's a couple is systems. There, there is a Savage World, but it has has its own uh, its own base core. Its own, yeah. yeah. Nice, mm-hmm. Logan. Uh, numero, so numero dos. Yeah. Uh, that becomes difficult, but I'm gonna say right now, I think um the One Ring is in my number two, hmm. uh, just because it's mm. extremely beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's neat um, just to see how they're they put things together um, again that, you know, OK, how did you translate um, Tolkien's world and the whole Lord of the Rings feeling um, without just going to D&D, without going to just, you know, a standard role play? Like, yeah. And, and how did you bring in the lore that includes people without having it to be a literal, you know, well, we found the ring and are running it back to Mordor again, a repeat mm-hmm. of the story, you know, so. Yeah. I just think it's really well set up and and uh, just beautiful. Looks good. And it's interesting too, because I, you know I think we both backed the Kickstarter, and with mm-hmm. that we got the first edition stuff. So I've yeah, been right. I've been going back and looking at some of the first edition stuff as well. No intention of going back to the first edition, but just because you know they already have a lot of the lore and a lot of the stuff there that they haven't got to in the second edition yet. Right. You know that's been a, a lot of fun to go back and read. Yeah, nice. I want to get my hands on it <laughs> because I'm yeah. a, I'm a big I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Yes, uh, it's coming, guys. It's coming. Def- mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> uh, my is it my turn again? Yes. Okay. Uh, number two, 
on my list. I had written something down that I'm, I'm just I'm gonna use for an honorable mention. <laughs> um, because I'm gonna sneak in there, uh, Call of Cthulhu. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, I recently got my hand on the investigators, or not the investigators, the keepers handbook, mm. the really big one, a really big, very big core book. I haven't read through all of it. I've read through some of it, but I I do believe I've had ample experience reading Cthulhu to to validate putting that in my in my number two spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, even though I don't have that much experience with the actual system side of things, I have a lot of experience with the the lore and history of Cthulhu stuff. So mm-hmm. nice. Uh, it's uh, I, and again, it's not one I've played before. Um, I also have not run it before. Uh, other than I have I have run Cthulhu stories in other games. Systems, yeah. Like in like in dread and and stuff like that, but uh, but yeah, the actual Call of Cthulhu system is one I want. I, I very much enjoy reading. Hmm. All right, top nice. picks, Mark. Here we come. Numero one. Okay. Uh, again, a little bit of a, a a lump sum here, but uh, the Modifius games in general, they put out a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have a lot of different, uh, you know, variations of their two D twenty system. I've I've run Conan, but I found I like reading that better than playing it, uh, or at least running it. I, I'm interested in playing it. I just recently got my hands on Dishonored, which is one that I, I have no interest in playing, but just I wanted to read it because it's awesome. But my number one, but my number one actual game title is Dune. I don't know that I want to play it, but man, I love reading that book. <laughs> that is, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the series. I, you know, I've read a few of the books, but again, this, this really kind of sinks everything down very succinctly and, and get a feel for the universe and seeing how they do things. You know, the, the, the D20 system is fantastic because it's never the same in any game. It's, I mean, it's the same, but it's, it's totally different. They totally make it fit the genre and it's yeah. it's such a weird interesting take to see how what they did with the uh, dune um that uh i i've just i've been loving reading it yeah i think that's a great um great example of reading other things by a manufacturer to give you more ideas on on mm. the thing you like to play and to see more of how they think about creation and design so the 2D20 system from Modifius is quite unique, um, and they always have some spin in there that fits uh, the, the game and setting um, mm-hmm. to, to help aid in gameplay and usually like some sort of team component or whatever else not. But yeah. the system is relatable, but it's all different, and it's not like GURPS or Savage Worlds where it's like, yeah, we have a base core, and then we're going to just add on more and more feats and abilities and things like that. It, exactly. It is, simplified still it is still a smooth system mm-hmm. but um yeah it's it's a great way to look at okay so if i wanted to play a, you know a star trek adventures game but let's lean into the political intrigues between you know captains of ships well let's look at dune and how they do some of that stuff maybe we can incorporate and change some of the house mechanics to kind of be like a ship mechanic and you know whatever or at least think about mm-hmm. how that that could play 
Um, I don't know. I just think that's great when you have multiple um, multiple IP from the same creator. You know, m- multiple different you know worlds. Yeah. You're gonna if you're if you're building it for a world, you're gonna build it different. Yeah. Um, and so it's neat to see that hmm. for sure. I agree. That's good. That's nice. Nice. Logan. Right now, uh, my number one is gonna be Coyote and Crow. Mm. Um, is a very beautiful yeah. game book. Uh, it is a um, game that's set up in a Native American future, uh, kind of like na- uh, futurism, where the Europeans never came over to the Americas, and a bad thing happened uh, where there was like a bit of an apocalypse. So it's a bit post-apocalyptic, but it's also very uh, fresh and clean. Um, sort of uh, future technology. They're you know, flying ships and cybernetic implants and stuff like that. But from a native perspective, without that influence of uh, Western cultures, um, in fact, there's nothing about Western cultures in the book, and there won't be uh, because it's trying to give a fresh perspective that we don't see in role-playing. Um, so alternate history, kind of, but much more just a, a native futurist. And I just think it's beautiful. I think the system's very unique using a heavy amount of D12s. My favorite die, I love those. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's very neat. It's it's beautifully put together. It's a great team. There's more stuff coming out with them. Um, I don't know if I'll ever play it. I would love to, uh, but it's, you know, it's it's pretty. <laughs> nice and to be honest it's art right rpgs are art and you're it's art you're creating with friends yeah. so finding more things to inspire you for that i think is kind of the point true <sighs> number one for me is one that i have read a decent amount i've never played it i want i want to play it here's the thing i really want to play it <laughs> but it's a it's a decent commitment Mm. And that is Ars Magica 5th edition. Mm. Ooh. Those of you that don't know, Ars Magica is is a, I don't know, medieval mythic Europe, basically. Um, it's got a deep history about um, ancient mages and magicians and all the important people that made the world what it is now, you know, in the, in the, in the world, in the lore. It also has one of the, I did argued one of the best magic systems ever written. I don't know. John Wick said it himself. I'm not going to argue with it's, the man. It's giving you a tools to do a different magic system than the very Dave Vance style system we see in mm-hmm. D&D, you know, historically. D&D or and other systems like that. You know, it, it gives you still a system to support it as opposed to like Mage, which is more, I would say, suggestions. There's a system involved, but it's it's more suggestive and, and flexible. And I think Ars More Magica, like guidelines. Yeah. Ars <laughs> Magic is trying to help really frame it in a good way i don't know it's pretty interesting yeah in the best way possible where everybody can understand it uh and actually put like historical meaning behind the thing it's just it's written it's just written so well uh the art is beautiful in a different way because it's kind of that old old english style art uh that old european like what 12th century whatever whatever century that was uh, but yeah, that old kind of flat hand done art and it's beautiful. Um, 
but yeah, it, it is one I want to play. Um, but it's also one that I very much enjoy reading. Uh, and with that being said, that kind of caps things off on, uh, on this segment of top five. Into the into the meat and potatoes. That's what they say, right? Yes. Meat and potatoes. Uh, we've got a few topics here, um, and I believe Mark also brought this one to us. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any games that you don't want to share with others? Which is similar to kind of what we said for the top five, but. Yeah. It's slightly different in that they're games that you do want to play, but people are stupid. <laughs> the the example, the, this actually came from a discussion that was online about The One Ring, as a matter of fact. And uh, The One Ring is coming out with a, a solo version called the Strider Mode, so you can play it solo. And, you know, people were just saying, you know, I want to hold off to the Strider Mode because... I know if I play with the group, Tolkien is such a specific flavor and, and setting. Yeah. You know, if you get a group together, they're just going to try and turn it into D&D. You know, they're going to start trying to cast fireballs. 100%. They're going to be, you know, well, we can, then just, we can just import these rules for, for you know, doing whatever. And, and, do whatever we want and, to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even earlier version of the One Ring was set up as a 5e tangent before yes. they decided to make their own sort of thing. So, exactly. Yeah, it's very it, possible to do that. Yeah. It, it, and That's interestingly, not, not knowing that we were going to talk about this just this week, I pulled out John Carter of Mars and started playing it solo. Um, mm-hmm. I have played it, but there's nobody else out there that knows John Carter. You know, the, you know, a couple of times, I mean, I kind of forced it on, on you, but, you know, it's, it's not like you can find people with the same level of, of knowledge and depth of passion. Um, I played it with my Saturday, my uh, Tuesday group for a while, and I had one guy name his character Smith and Wesson, because, you know, <laughs> on Mars, they have, God, you know, yeah, you know, and you get that stuff, and it's just like, okay, why, why are we doing this? Why, you know? Let me just play solo. I'll just play that. I yeah. I love that game. As I love that game. I love the universe. I love the setting. The books are beautiful. You know, everything about it. But nobody else knows it. Nobody else likes it. You know, to that level, you know, it's and it's just so disappointing to play it. So it's easier to just play solo. And, th- and that's kind of where this discussion came. So do you guys have anything like that? I personally don't have anything like that uh, because part of my love of this is the social and roleplay aspect of things. Uh, So most of the games I find, I push onto my other friends and go, hey, (laughs) learn this and (laughs) make them play with me. Um, that's why we're all stuck here in tabletop radio hour. We're all in the same recording booth. They have, he hasn't let us go for like years now. Can it's you true. Come rescue us? It's Help. true. Yeah. Occasionally it's we get some, tr- some, it's gruel. not true guy. <laughs> the door unlocks every day at three 30. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. You're in here when it's locked. I have to sleep sometime. Come on, man. 
yeah, it, it doors the door opens, but then you just say it needs to put on the lotion, and then yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, wait, 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 too far, too far. Whoa, hey, that it hey puts now. the lotion on its skin. <laughs> yes. Oh man, Logan, do you have anything like this? You know, uh, I don't have enough time to play games by myself uh so <laughs> i don't have any games that i directly play solo i have done that for war games for battle games because i'm trying to make sure i get the rules down before i show someone else or that i have a good understanding of it but that's not, i'm literally just pulling out my terrain and miniatures and i'm playing with my toys and that's fine i'm a grown man i can play with my toys thank you very much <laughs> yeah uh, i do the same thing with the the dark souls board game yeah i'll play that solo exactly all day uh but there is there's because- something a about yeah. that you know that desire to share if i am in a place like that i feel like i want to get into the lore of a thing and i want to write something more than i want to play it and mm-hmm. from the little bit i've experienced uh listening to to you know mark's recordings of solo games as well as reading on some of that stuff um it feels like solo rpgs are just kind of like a writing exercise in a lot of ways you're just allowing a system to help kind of give you that um randomness that comes mm-hmm. with the game and yeah. kind of help lead you it's more exploration as opposed to um you know outline style writing because you're you're letting the dice help you explore a concept um yeah so or f- get fill in ideas or fill in ideas that you don't have. Yeah. You know, with like an, like an Oracle or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oracle is a great example of that from, um, iron bound, bound, ironborn, uh, ironsworn, iron sworn, iron iron sworn. there we go. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and star sworn and, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Star forged and star forged. There we go. Yes. I knew there was something <laughs> with metal and things. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Hey, we'll figure it out eventually. Uh, yes. but there are, there are games that I, you know, I think, for me, if it is something that I don't want to share with others, it's probably one of those that's going to be uh, I want to read it sort of thing. And I don't know if I'll ever get into um, to sharing it to play it, because, again, mm-hmm. kind of like you talked about with um, Ars Arcana, how much time do you want to spend on it to try mm-hmm. and get this to, yeah. to come together, you know, um, mm-hmm. and how much time, how much energy you want to put out to help others want to get into it as well. Yeah, um, right. When so, then there are plenty of game systems out there that are, hey, you read this, and here's how you teach it to other people. Yeah, in order for them to play as well. Oh, and there's other ones that don't give that at all, and they just expect that everybody's going to read at the table, and mm, that's point. cute. Uh, yeah, doesn't really happen too often. <laughs> I mean, how much have we talked about people just don't read before we play a game? Yeah, you know, it's kind of on the the dungeon master to explain it all. Good point. Which is fine. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we're all here for what we're here for. It's, do, it's doable and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I'm, uh, Mark and I had to do it for our, our convention games recently. Oh, yeah. True. Uh, True. It's, it's not the end of the world. It takes a little bit of time. We don't want to do it, uh, but we <laughs> 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 grit our teeth, brow our knuckles, and, and get through it. Well, and I, I think there might be a little bit difference here, too, in, in what world you're talking about. In a yeah. world, let, let's yeah. say 7C. 7C is a made-up world. If the party kind of changes that a little bit and, and creates things that are a little bit more or focuses on something, eh, that's fine. Kind of go with that. Oh, but if you're playing fine. something yeah. established, like, uh, you know, John Carter of Mars or, or Lord of the Star Rings Trek. or Star Trek, you know, yeah. then you have a little bit more of a, well, there's some canon here that, that has created a specific world 
and and two people are not going to perceive one one world the same. Um, no, they aren't. You know, Star Wars. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've run into people that you know. Well, oh, I know yeah. that's not the way I see Star Wars. You know, so yeah, yeah. There's going or to be run into that. people who shocker of shocks don't know Star Wars. Mm, I don't know sure. how they exist, and I'm surprised <laughs> I associate with them. But okay. Sure. Well, or or only know of you know I I saw the first movie, so that's all yeah, they know. Episode one, you know, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> sure. You know, what's a gungan? What are you talking about? Why are they bad? Yeah. I don't know. What's you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So you know, why is every why is why are some people sick, <laughs> and other people's are not? Sure. Said <laughs> Sith and it's a, it's, oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, yep, yep, it's a bad joke. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he's here all week. <laughs> that's that's getting edited out. <laughs> but but yeah, it, and and there are players who you know will if they don't know they'll just kind of sit back, go with the flow, learn it as they go. And there's ones that, uh, well, you know, I I don't want to be playing Star Trek. I want to be, be playing Star Wars. So I'm going to have a Federation officer with a lightsaber and and I can do magic. You know, I can do magic stuff and and you know. Do my, you know, I mean, push then, things with my then that's, and... there, there's there's that important moment of you know t- taking that person then away from the table and having a conversation of, with them. Of course, there is. I mean, and then that's kind of a broad, yeah. broad, you know, example. No, but it's 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 very true, and those issues definitely come up when you don't have a chance or you don't take the time to do like a, a session zero and kind of get everybody on the same page. Or even you do do a session zero, you kind of explain expectations. But somebody, like you say, just has a burr up their butt. They have a thing they want to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just aren't willing to, to go along with it. You know, Or, that's... you know, even, you know, not even that malicious, but just somebody who, you know, doesn't recognize the fine tuning of, you know, when I see a monster, I should scan it with my tricorder before pulling out my phaser and shooting it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> those sort of things are just kind of, you know, they're, they're part of, you know, as, as a regular Trekkie. I wouldn't even think to put that in a session zero because that's just a natural part of what Star Trek is. But if you know nothing about Star Trek, if you're, you know, from the, you know, kind of that D&D, it's a monster, shoot it type of that type of uh, background, then that might be your approach without without meaning to to uh, sabotage the game. Sure. That's just Mm -hmm. not you not understanding how things work in how that things genre. Work. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple different takes on this, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of it stems from you know, if if you know, if you have that knowledge at the beginning in session 0 or whatever mm-hmm. and you know that they don't know a lot of stuff about the world, the how things work, the laws, quote unquote. Uh and stuff comes up during gameplay, you do like a GM wait timeout here um, just to inform you about the rules or, uh, or the like the, the, the laws of the universe or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Uh, and this is kind of the typical standard how a person would normally approach this. And then go on from there. Uh, sure. But... If they stick with it, then that's a step to the side but, conversation. Well, here, let me let me give a, a little bit, maybe a little closer example. I've I've run a Star Trek game, 
I run something set in the original series. Just about everybody that, that plays isn't old enough to remember the original series. They grew up with the next generation. Mm-hmm. So subtle things like, uh, you know, I'm, t- I'm tapping my comm badge to, to call the ship. Well, in the original series, mm-hmm. they didn't have comm badges. They had communicators. You know, they're not doing that to sabotage. That's just they think Star Trek and they're thinking these minor things that, yep. you know, might not, that just take a lot of, they're not breaking the rules. They're not, you know, like I say, they're not it's trying to just sabotage enough to try and, you know, that they're trying even in that situation, yeah. but it's enough that it derails you and kind of throws off everything. Cause it's, you know, there's like, yeah. there's a gap in knowledge. And then breaks it, your immersion yeah. then as a GM or yeah, whatever. And it's, it's just a, a little bit harder to have to stop and, and explain, you know, those sort of things. Um, you know, in that case, you know, that's not a deal breaker. That's not, you know, no, but, but there's a range of stuff here. There's, you know, yeah, there's those, those the toxic players trying to sabotage you, but, <laughs> but even innocent players, you know, that just can, can ruin things without really knowing, without trying, without knowing. And, and this is, this is a really tough conversation because I don't want to be the person that just says you have to, to search and find the people that are close to your level with that certain IP. That's, that's an easy thing to say. Yeah, you're right. But that's kind of discouraging. It's like, Oh, well that's harder for you to like bring your friends in on. And Mm -hmm. I mean, but that kind of expands your, your world and friend base. If you find other people that are, as as passionate about this thing as you are sure that you that none of these situations would even come up yeah yeah <laughs> but but going back to the, one of my original examples you know get something ob- obscure like john carter that's not a real common ip um yeah you know let alone people that are familiar with the ip and play role-playing games and are free at the times that I'm free and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, well, et cetera. you know, we are a bit different here because we're playing, you know, things across the internet and we're playing with, you know, people we've met online and stuff. And most role-play groups, in my experience, seem to be a group of friends. So you're going to play what everybody's going to play. You know, yes. we, we see this in wargaming as well. You know, you may not like the lead game that everybody's playing, but that's what everybody's playing and you want to play. So you play that thing. That's usually right. how the game seems to work. But if you want True. to add something new, you want to bring something new to the, the system, to, to not the system, you want to bring a new system to your friends, to the game group, then it really does become your responsibility to try and be that version of it. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing somebody say in a religious circle, you know, somebody might not ever read the Bible. You might be the only Bible they read, which I thought was kind mm-hmm. of weird. But thinking about it in the sake of like uh, a role play game setting, mm-hmm. if someone's creating their own setting, there is no resource for the your players to go out and look at to know. And there literally will never be anybody else who knows it as well as you do. You have to be that translation for your players. Same thing might even work for an IP game. You're the <laughs> one who loves Star Trek so much, and they've barely, you know, watched the ones that have Chris Pine in it. Yeah. And that is not anywhere close to most of the Star Trek shows. So you have to be that version of star trek whatever that is Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to just hope that they trust you and believe you enough that whatever you say is real they're not going to challenge you on it and you just have to be willing to try and i don't know kind of 
sell it more and explain it more and give more of that story as the authority and what? find ways of, of making little snapshots in the game where you can show how that world how works things and how they work think about it. in yeah. a like a cutscene version a pre-scene kind yeah. of thing i don't know well, i guess one thing yeah it's interesting one thing i did specifically with star trek going back to the, the game i was running right before every session you know rather than saying you should watch all of star trek and get a call up before every session i would say here's one episode that yeah. kind of ties into what you're going to do watch one episode watch this episode this week See, and that's that, a great thing for something like know. Star Trek, where there's like, I don't know, five mm. bajillion, trillion, million freaking episodes out there. Where do I start? What do I watch, man? Yeah. Well, here's one, and it's 30 yes. minutes. There you go. And especially yeah. the older Star Treks are are very self-contained. You don't have oh, to yeah. follow the whole mm-hmm. story arc. You know, you, right. It's very episodic. Yeah. It's like, here's here's the adventure for this episode yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. So that works well for them. Yeah, I was I was kind of going to jokingly say, you know, yeah, just kind of have a watch party, Mm. you know, session zero or before session zero. Uh, I mean, that can be a great way to set a tone for a game, you know, sure. have a session, have a session negative one. Like, yeah, yeah. have a little watch party, get together a a group of episodes that that would, you know, maybe take up the same amount of time as what, what your session would be. Well, or even, you know. Get together, watch the John Carter movie, or watch mm-hmm. yeah. Star Wars, or or even Lord of the Rings. You know, whatever you want to, you know, get people in a certain frame of mind. And and admittedly, you know, Lord of the Ring, the movies aren't exactly like the books, but at no, least that right. can give you a little bit of a common. And maybe that's a discussion. You watch the movies, then you sit down and say, "Yeah, but let me tell you about Tom Bombadil, or the Scouring of the Shire, or you know." Or, Just, or, you know, for example, look at this. How many people in here cast magic? Is it everybody? No. It's yes. like three people. That's it. Mm-hmm. In the entire world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and the magic is very subtle. They're not, mm-hmm. you know. It was amazing them. when he lit pine cones on fire, which is barely even a <laughs> cantrip level spell in D&D. Like, that's yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think that's a great way to do things. Um, I've been in games where it's like, okay, you need to read this book before we play. You know, I had a friend who was running a game. It's Which like, you need that to read Lies turns of off a lot of people. It does. Audible makes that a lot easier now. And a <laughs> right. video or a movie, you know, is much easier than even that. Uh, I think even just, right. just going into a situation where you have a, um, uh, some people call it an Appendix N, uh, mm-hmm. as the old D&D books had that in the back, what their inspiration was. Um, oh, yeah. Or... Um, just basically a media list where you see this in the front of uh, some of the more modern RPG books. Heck, Blades in the Dark has this too. Suggested mm. show, books, comic, uh, and theme song. Boom, there you go. And you just throw that together as part of your like intro document that you send to your players. And then they can check it out on their own if they want to or not. You know, it's some things you can check out because it gives you a bit of a tone. Well, uh, one of my favorite shows is Firefly, which... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to admit, there are probably people I'm playing with right now who have never seen it. And that's unfortunate because it's yeah. amazing. I love it. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. But that is that is a, a truism of that. It hasn't been out for a lot of years, and it's not super easy to find. It's not super hard, but it's not, I'd say, in uh, the main meta of yeah. pop culture right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, it's I one have of those s- that... I have a very similar thing. I'm about to run uh, Leverage, my group. Mm. 
very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, a couple of them have seen the, the series, but not all of them. Right. Right. But yeah, it's it's a uh, an interesting thing. It, I th- it it depends on the system too. I think the system and the the IP really hmm. uh, with level of knowledge. So something like Star Trek might require a much higher level of world knowledge, whereas hmm. I I don't know a different, well, more simple IP might take less knowledge to understand how things work. Here's you know an example: I mean? We recently played James Bond, and hmm. I sent I sent you guys a couple film clips of some different scenes yeah. to kind of get a little flavor, a little bit of you know these are these are a little bit of the tone that we're looking for. But a lot of it is real world. You don't have to have as yeah. much uh, immersion and it's, there. It's not something that I have a ton of knowledge on. Right. Like, I'm not as big of a, a spy uh, James Bond buff as, as Mr. Mark over here. Right. But uh, but I, grow up I watching understood TNT well week? enough. What the heck, man? No, absolutely not. I was <laughs> watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Weird. But I felt I felt like you guys had no problem getting into that flavor, and and you, you no, know, and we understood well. everything. That's something that a lot more people will understand. Oh, he's a super spy. He's really suave. Yeah, he kind of gets to do whatever he wants because he's good at everything. Yeah, it, it, and you understand that. That basic premise of James Bond is probably common enough that you know everybody, even if you haven't seen any movies, you kind of know that, and that's that's enough. Right. Um, whereas when you have but something even that's a with that, thing. even with that, it's you know there's different flavors within Bond as well, mm. which helps oh, absolutely. with you sending those links. You know, I joke about the TNT Bond Week or whatever that I grew up watching <laughs> on TV, where it was just like 24 hours of Bond for a week or something like that, where they're just mm-hmm. constantly playing Bond episodes, and that was awesome as a kid and whatever. Oh but, yeah, uh, the flavor between Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan and Daniel mm. Craig are completely different. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the amount of technology that was used in the older ones versus the more modern stuff mm-hmm. or the types of technology, like, that's also important, too. If you're playing something that's oh, very exactly. focused on, like, a Sean Connery-style Bond, it's going to feel pretty hokey on some of the technology, and that's kind of fun. It's almost like playing a... Yeah. a, <laughs> a um, not Flash Gordon, but kind of. Like, that, yeah. that technology is funky, and sure. larger than it needs to be. And we didn't quite go that way with our, you know, actual progression of technology in the real world. So like, right. that's completely different for like a Moonraker situation, as opposed to like quantum of solace where the technology just seems normal and it's not mm-hmm. even anything advanced. It's just, yeah, there's not much in the way of super spy tech that's involved. Just a hidden compartment here or there. Right. Very different. Yeah. Good point. And a lot of that just depends on what kind of flavor you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a little bit of the Daniel Craig stuff, I, it, it seemed like a, a lot more of the intrigue and uh, uh, charismatic side of things than the super techie gadget. Well, side and I of think things. they try to go a little bit against tone. And instead of being super suave, he is kind of that blunt instrument. He has a suave right. moments, but he can just, I mean, you know, for example, the opening uh, chase scene. In the very first Daniel Craig scene oh, Royale, yeah. he's chasing after a guy who's got amazing parkour skills and is actually one of the best practitioners in the world. And the guy like tacks up this wall and 
does a underbar through a window, so he's like launching his body through a very small window gap. And what does Daniel Craig's character do? He literally smashes through the drywall, following after the guy like <laughs> blunt instrument. Yeah. So it keeps up. It's great. Yeah. And he, you know, he's out, able to outthink the guy because that's the only way you can catch up to him. But like, not the same sort of suave. My hair never gets must like Roger Moore or Pierce Brosnan. He's more of the action star. Absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah. different very tone. Very, but very still Bond. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. But yeah, it it is they have completely different tones. Mm-hmm. You know, compare comparing the two with uh, how much knowledge you need to yeah. understand and play the game. And that can be something that you're you know, if you don't set that, your players might come you know, you might have one player come at you trying to play Roger Moore and another one's coming to play Daniel Craig. And, you know, it is kind of important to kind of funnel them into a, a single coherent story. Which could yeah. work together. Oh. But if oh, one of yeah. them is also trying to play Hudson Hawk, that might be a bit <laughs> of a problem there as far as a clash between tone. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then somebody yeah, tries to bring, bring in Austin Powers and you're just like, oh, oh right. God. <laughs> oh, now, now things are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we forgot what Zach's playing. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I've got more experience with Austin Powers than I do James Bond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, uh but yeah, uh, and looking at it, something like Seventh Sea is something that mm. can be understood very easily. Um to to my experience. I've taught a few people how to play the game and <laughs> it, it seems like uh, most people understand uh, most things. Uh, and of course, when you get into the the sorceries and stuff like that, it gets a little muddy because they're very specific things. Well, 7C has a lot of room for variety too. Mm-hmm. You can take that, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I started a game and they're like, well, it's just pirates. Like, nah, not just pirates. They're, you Pirates are there. But there's also Three Musketeers. There's also Robin Hood. There's also um, Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, Van Halsey, Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. There's you know, there's the Holy Python and the Holy Grail. Could be Vikings. You know, <laughs> no I'm kidding. But uh, really, really, you got to go there with Monty Python. Come on, bro. You got it. Yeah, I always, I always got to go there. And then and we go down to the Crescent Empire, and there's Life of Brian. And oh wait, <laughs> yeah, it's it's this not different it's not, <laughs> it's not the Holy Grail. Nobody expects the Castilian Inquisition. Nobody does. No one expects the Inquisition. No, but that's that's very true because you can play a 7C game and never see a pirate ship yeah. or never see a rapier, you know, um, cross swords in a situation. Point. I mean, and those, I would say, are iconic to that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and 7C, you know, a lot of people think it's very easy for most to, to translate to um, because it's related to our own world history in a lot of ways. But I have friends who did not uh, have a regular school situation growing up they had an alternate school situation and very knowledgeable very intelligent people but they didn't grow up with some of the same european history that the rest of Mm -hmm. us did so they don't know those Mm -hmm. things yeah so is is that easy easier to comprehend or is it just easier to latch on to whatever you want it to be uh i would say that since um they're pretty good at reading i would say it's easy for them to, to latch on to what 7c is and kind of go with it um mm-hmm. but it does make it harder when you try and give a shorthand that the rest of the table understands yeah. oh it's just like you know yeah. the hundred years war when that doesn't yeah. really make go, sense to oh, someone what's that 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Now, some modern no, TVs and historical dramas can also help with that. You know, if you want to give somebody a feeling of like what uh, Avalon was like before Queen Elaine took over, go watch the Tudors. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Hundred percent. There's there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of historical, uh, real historical uh, examples. Uh, even even reading about different events, they they have actual. You know, we have ways of learning about what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and and also, it's it's a system that very much so benefits for kind of doing whatever the hell you want. <laughs> well, exactly. As you like to yeah. say, Mark, you know, uh, this isn't an Avalonian accent. This is, <laughs> or this isn't an English accent. This is an Avalonian accent, accent, and it comes and goes. Yeah, exactly. It's different. Exactly. It's true. It's not going to be the same as what you're used to because it's not. What, it's, that's not the same. I'm making it up as I go along, right? And that's why I love Seven C so much. <laughs> Man, it looks like we're we're creeping towards that hour mark. Any any uh, any final thoughts before we we close things up here at the studio? Are there any games that you think you are would be embarrassed to play with others, or only want to have you know as a resource for reading because of parts Ooh. of what it is that that you dig? And that's why you're not going to play with somebody else. Do you rather just play by yourself? Guilty pleasures, you're saying? Yeah, guilty pleasures, Ooh. or or something that you know is so outside of the scope of what you would play with your with your regular groups that you know it's nothing worth the energy. I think guilty pleasures is where I'm leaning at more. Let's go with that. I, I of course what we. Was the, what was that game Patrick talked about? Sexy battle wizards. Oh oh, <laughs> sexy battle I wizards. That with other people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thirsty sword lesbians is another one they, they mentioned. Zorro, I think, is one mm. that I like the game. I loved. I'd love to play it, but I just I I don't. I feel like I I would feel racist playing a Mexican hero type thing. That is, you know, that, that, that's kind of a weird, weird feeling. Um, so that might be an example. Mm, okay. I feel the same way about the game One Percenter, mm. the biker gang game. Yeah. That it's, it seems that and uh, the Mark Diaz Truman game, Cartel. Mm. Yeah. Same kind of flavor. I don't know. Yeah, it just it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Oh, here, here's a. I guess. Okay. Go of course, ahead. it is role playing. I mean, that's kind of the point of everything. But again, yeah, it just doesn't feel. Yeah. Right to do that. I got another one. A uh, game called Biff Bam Kapow, which is not official, but it's basically the role playing game of the old Batman TV series. Yeah. Which again, I think you know has a very very distinct feel. And even the structure of it is—it seems a little bit forced, but uh, but you know, I, I, I kind of love it. I've played it solo a little bit. Uh, you know, that that's a good one. But I'm I feel weird playing it with anyone else. I think. How about you, Logan? Any any, any examples? One that sticks out for me is is uh, one that's yet to come out. Um, Kickstarter stuff, but uh, Adventures in Oz is a five E um, tangent game and it's following the wizard of oz and the various other books of oz and as a kid i apparently loved wizard of oz enough that i would just watch it on loop (laughs) and all that and i don't think that's something that probably most people really get into 
but it just makes me smile and uh, definitely guilty pleasure sort of situation. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to read up on just to be in the lower in the world of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> nice. feels silly, but flying monkeys and um, distant fantasy worlds with weird little people. And yes, there's there's so much fun in that. And it's it feels more fable and fairy tale than most fantasy um yeah we'll put that down as a guilty player nice yeah that's a that's an interesting one i want to see i want to see that one yeah that's a, i'm sure it's going to be visually beautiful yeah and that's yeah that's fun fun part of the fun for it there's a there's a game it's a tabletop game uh i don't know if i guess it's a role playing game but uh dialects mm seems like a very it's not one that i don't want to share with others it's it's one that i don't want to share with just anyone uh, because it seems like a very serious personal game i mean that's right uh, it can get yeah i think it can get it can get into his real emotions and yeah. uh, a lot of that stuff very quickly yeah uh, so it's it's not for everyone to play with anyone. I mean, that's <laughs> I a whole a, other topic on itself. But like, what oh games gosh, do you yeah. feel very you know touchy about how you play? This is where a lot of people have a hard time with playing uh, an isekai game or a you know I am just me in this world as or just me sucked into this world or just like modern world and we have an apocalypse because it's hard to think about yourself as numbers. And the chance mm-hmm. you could die, yeah. you know, and and also I'm, you know, role play. I can not be me, which is nice. And now I have to very much be me. That's sometimes weird, you know. It's sometimes True. hard. Good point. Another similar one is uh, everyone is John. Mm. That's that's one because it it does deal with uh, the 100 percent real issue of of mental illness. Uh, right. You 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 want to play that with a very very close group of friends. But I think I think that I think that uh, I think that does it for today's episode. Uh, we uh, we <laughs> talked for a good solid hour, a little more. Uh, I think we had some solid topics here today, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Always good to connect. True, it's wonderful, wonderful to sit down with you all here in the studio. Um, now let us out. I, <laughs> Sorry. I want out. Okay. Get me out. Open, open the door. Open, open the door. Yeah, just open it. Just, you can go and turn, turn the handle. Cool. Okay, the door's open. But is it? Feels Last free. time it slapped my face. <laughs> Wouldn't let me leave. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the door is a mimic. It has a mind of its own. You know I'm in here sometimes. Sometimes. Indeed. Sometimes. All the time. Don't tell everybody I live here. I mean, got to edit sometime, right? Shit. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to edit this episode, and it'll come out when it comes out, I guess. <laughs> cool. See you guys. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. 
You can join us over on Facebook.com slash Tabletop Radio Hour for regular updates. We also have an email address that is TabletopRadioHour at gmail.com. Our website, TabletopRadioHour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.